Hello! Welcome back to the Rio. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Now, this episode, we're going to be talking about what's under the water. Ooh! (laughs) Yeah. So, like I was... The Rio's waters are deep and they're murky. And it's been obscuring our view of the mysterious beings just below the surface. And from the beginning of the t- beginning of time, the creatures that live among the rocks and waves have haunted not only the waterways of the world, but also the nightmares of our collective subconscious. And we're going to delve into that today. <laughs> today, we're basically going to jump out of the ship and see what's underneath the water. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll get back in the ship so that we can continue our journey. <laughs> so our first section is going to be sea creatures. And why not start with one of the most quintessential sea creatures, sea monsters ever, the Kraken. <laughs> um, Abby had a little slip up when doing the research. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm dyslexic and at a glance it looked like Karen instead of Kraken and I was Release very the Karen. <laughs> Anyways, so the legend of the Kraken dates back to about one, a thousand, 1,180, with a telling by King Sverre? I don't know. Sverre. A- I'm not sure how to say it. Of Norway. And it's said to haunt the seas from Norway through Iceland to Greenland. So, a big section of that's a lot of water. I know. <laughs> and the Kraken is known to attack ships with its strong arms. And if that wasn't enough to sink the ship, it'll start swimming around the ship in circles, causing a giant maelstrom or like a vortex that drags the ship down. Now, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> a good representation would be the the Pirates of the Caribbean final battle or something i think yeah yeah in the the og trilogy yeah 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 and it's so massive that it can eat an inc- the entire ship's crew at once however it's not just a terrifying sea monster when it's swimming it's surrounded by a bounty of fish and if a fisherman's brave enough they can risk the Kraken's wrath and maybe die. <laughs> but if they don't die, they get an incredible catch of fish. And it's now thought that the Kraken was inspired by giant squids. Ooh. Yeah. And another one of our sea creatures that we're going to talk about in a little bit is going to come back to the Kraken but we're going to get there when we get there. (laughs) Yeah. And so the next one, we don't have a lot of information on this one that I was able to find, but it definitely is still really interesting to me. So it's the Koi Koi Vilu, I believe that's how you say it? I think so. Okay. Is the Mapuche god and sometimes goddess of the sea and all that inhabitants. 
to my understanding, the Koi Koi Vilu is a sea snake. Because it's when I was looking it up, there was like a picture of a of a statue of it, and it was a looked like a sea snake, you know, where it was. Yes. But that was all I could really find on it. I wish I could find more because it sounds fascinating. Now, remember how I said that there was going to be one that comes back to <laughs> the Kraken? <laughs> and we're back to it. So it's Ling Backer, I believe. I'm not 100% sure. Janine, do you know? Um, I'm not familiar with Icelandic. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm learning Danish. So I would guess it's Lingback, Lingbacker. Uh, I think the R is silent. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm just Lingbacker. reading it how it looks. And it's a little bit confusing. So I'm sorry to anybody who has to We're hear sorry, me Iceland. pronounce it horribly. We love, we love your creatures, though. <laughs> yes. So the Lingback is from Icelandic folklore and it looks like a giant whale with grass growing on its back and its eyes are like to my understanding they're like sort of on its head and it kind of looks like these two pools of water which mm -hmm. you don't want to try and get water from those because it's pretty much going to end up with end with disaster um, Yikes. so the only thing that was bigger then this lingbacker is the kraken and they're often said to fight which i think is quite telling of like how real world stuff goes to um into folklore because the this like i said it was it's like a giant whale and giant squids and i believe it's humpback whales fight constantly mm -hmm. in real world because that, they find or, or uh -huh. possibly sperm whales because they can dive yeah. pretty deep yeah i'm not 100 sure what kind what exactly which whale it is but um they often find um the whales with like battle scars from these battles that's that's pretty metal <laughs> Yeah, and they can tell that these are are the um, they can tell that these are actually from these battles because of the way that like the tentacles of the giant squid have these like circular suction cups that have like teeth or something on them, mm -hmm. and so it makes like these unique patterns and of like scars on them. Oh, yeah. And, um, anyways, back to the... You, you know what it made me uh -huh. think of when you said that it's it's a giant fish with grass on its back? Yeah. You remember um, the movie Sinbad, Legend oh. of the Seven Seas? Yes, the animated movie. Yeah, when, when they have to, like, fix the, the ship and they're supposedly at an island and it's actually a giant fish. Yes, okay, okay, so that makes a lot of... That actually made me think of that too when I was doing the research because um, this uh, this creature is a slow swimmer, so it often sleeps on the surface of the uh, you know the sea, and because of this, a lot of people think it's an island. Mm -hmm. And so the ships go up and they kind of like dock, and people get off and you know are doing their stuff. 
which I found one story of this. I believe it's a saint now, but I'm not sure who he was. But he he and his followers like went onto the the back of this um, the Lingbacher, mm-hmm. and um, he basically they sang Easter Mass. <laughs> Um, <laughs> on the back of this creature. Oh my gosh! Which I'm just I'm I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, that sounds scary. Because <laughs> cause while it's asleep, it will eventually waken up, like you know, wake up. And if you're still on its back, the person will drown because it dives back down into the sea. So you don't want to um, stay on there too long because you don't know when it's going to wake up. Oh. And that's also why you don't want to try and get water from the eyes because that's going to definitely wake it up. (laughs) Yeah. Now, this creature only feeds once every three years. And it'll eat anything in the path. Like, in its path. Anything. Like fish, birds, fit, you know, everything. (laughs) And there's only one, and it's said that it'll live until Armageddon. So that thing has been around for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like any any kind of Lingbuck sighting, it's that one fish. Yeah, it's that one. It's, it's only one. Now, there's <laughs> smaller types that are similar to it, but are not the same thing. But that's like the biggest of like oh all of gosh. them. I know. I'm just like, oh gosh. <laughs> now this next one is a little bit contentious. Um, it's the Gloucester Serpent. And the reason it's contentious is because they couldn't ever really find any evidence of it. And a lot of its descriptions are inconsistent. And mm-hmm. have also been described similarly to some like fishing nets and stuff so it's a little bit on the like was it ever really real or did they see fishing line and stuff the world may never know yeah the world (laughs) may never know (laughs) so the first sighting of the gloucester serpent was in august of 1817 it's said to have been somewhere around 60 to 100 feet long with a head that was similar to a sea turtle but larger than any dog which, when I was reading that description, I was a little bit confused as to why they decided to size comparison with a dog. A dog with a sea turtle. I know. It, it, I was like, well, if, if, if it's a sea turtle, and I know sea turtles can get kind of really large and to the <laughs> similar size of, like, I'm so sorry, that random noise. <laughs> so, um... It's said to be brown in color, and according to some accounts, it has what looks like joints. So this is where it gets... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's really weird. So according to some accounts, it looks like the joints on buoys on a net rope, which makes me go, what? <laughs> what did it look like? Well, it looked like a buoy on a rope. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why I'm like, wait a minute. Are you sure you didn't see a buoy on a oh rope? Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, from, from that point on, 
the descriptions debated. Some say it had a smooth bag. Others say it had what's described as bunches, which is very confusing because what does bunches mean? <laughs> what does it mean by bunches? And some people said it moved like a caterpillar, you know, how it goes up and down. However, others said it slithered from side to side like a snake. So, look, imagine it moving like a caterpillar on the wa- like in the water, just yeah. And it, it's just it's like what <laughs> this whole like reading it about it was kind of like, huh? What? <laughs> it was very confusing. I kept going. Wait now, wait. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> only two people out of apparently like hundreds of people who came to see this thing said it had a twelve foot horn on its head. And others said it had a red forked tongue. Now, it was believed that they had found a baby version of the serpent and, you know, paraded it around kind of thing. Attraction. (laughs) But. But. So there was like this society that was trying to like put out that there was this like sea serpent of Gloucester. Mm -hmm. And they tried to hunt it down a couple of times. They hired a whaler to come and hunt it down. And they caught a, oh a bluefish tuna <laughs> instead. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. And also, they had, I believe they had the baby version of the serpent, like, examined scientifically. Which turned out to be just a common black snake with tumors under its skin that made it look like it had bunches like the sea serpent. The society, to be completely honest... Um, I, I, I don't think the world's ever going to know if this actually existed or not, because... Not ready. The yeah. world was not ready for the Gloucester Serpent. Also, hold on, I'm, I don't have internet. Let me... Sorry, we had a storm last night, and the power went off, and the, the internet has been really weird lately. Oh, you're good, you're good. So, is it good? Can I continue on? Yeah, yeah, it's good. You're good. Okay. So the next one is going to take us to Japan. This, I know, I I love Japanese folklore. Um, So this one, and I'm apologizing in advance in case I say this really wrong. The Umibozu. Mm -hmm. It's a Japanese sea serpent, not serpent, sea spirit that often appears at night. And... It always appears on what was a calm sea that it turns stormy at their appearance. We tend to uh, describe distance in time instead of saying miles and things like that. If I'm telling somebody I'm going somewhere, I'm like, oh, it's 30 minutes or oh, it's an hour. (laughs) Anyways, uh, one of their weaknesses is tobacco smoke. So you need to have some of that available so that you can like scare it off or something. Um, cause if you don't have anything like that, this, it sinks ships. Now they often ask for a bucket and then they'll sink the ship if you give them the bucket. But if you don't give them the bucket, I believe they also sink the ship. Just specifically uh, a bucket, nothing else. Just Well, like it might also be a barrel, but that's it. Like a bucket and a barrel. And if it asks for those, you need to give it a bottomless one. So that it's, like, confused. So you can escape. Um, There's a lot of local legends that I found. But there were so many. and There's a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. They're incredibly varied that if y'all want, we could do a whole episode on those. Yeah. I mean, I'm up for it. Same. Now, we're going to take a wild jump again, and we're going to go to Ireland. (laughs) Ooh. So, the next story we're going to talk about is the Selkies. I love them. Oh, I know. So, they're also known as the seal people. They're half seal, half human. And they're irresistible to humans. And humans often fall in love with them. If a human finds the Selkie's skin, the Selkie is unable to return to the sea. Like, because the human will take the skin and hide it. And they won't be able to, like, go back. (laughs) And one such example of this is Thaddy Rua O'Dodd? I'm not sure I said that right. Who was a chieftain who needed a wife and was walking on the shore one day and saw a selkie. Stole her seal skin coat, her seal skin cloak, hid it, and married her. They had seven children together. And upon finding her cloak again with the help of one of her children who saw the husband going and checking on it. And she ran off like she went to the sea mm-hmm. with her kids. However, she couldn't take them all. So she turned five of her kids into rocks. What? Yeah. (laughs) It kind of seems like a bad break to me because it's kind of like, oh, yeah, y'all have to be rocks now while I leave with your siblings to the sea. (laughs) I'm (laughs) you're you're, like, I would be so mad. (laughs) Why do I have to be a rock? (laughs) It's just, <laughs> I'm just over here going, what? I'm shocked, like, <laughs> it, 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 it implied to me when I was reading it that they just were They're rocks just from rocks. now on. They just, <laughs> like, like, what? <laughs> also, if y'all want to check out anything else about Selkies, there's a really beautiful movie by Cartoon Saloon called The Song of the Sea. Oh, yeah, that is a really beautiful movie. Definitely recommend. Now, this next one we don't have a lot of information on either, but it's the Serene Croin. I'm not uh, sure. The, the Kirin Coin. Cro- Kirin yes. Croin. Sorry. Okay. Kirin Croin. I'm very bad <laughs> at pronouncing. Like, it I sounds know. interesting. I like it. Oh, yes. I, I love. So this is, like, from Scottish Gaelic folklore, which I'm very apologetic because I cannot say it well. I'm so sorry. And so this one, I couldn't find a specific description other than that it's gigantic. It's giant. (laughs) Yeah. And it can disguise itself as a small silver fish. That's really convenient. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm not 100% sure why it mentions this, but it did. (laughs) And then it's also said to gladly eat seven whales. Like, that's its dinner. Just like, hey, I'm about to eat. I guess I'm just going to eat these seven whales. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. And I can just imagine this tiny little silver fish and then suddenly... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, Janine, what else are we going to talk about? Lake creatures. Lake creatures. <laughs> I love them. Like, I'm all about the sea. And there's, we. I think we, we, we left out 
one creature. I don't know if it was on purpose or we kind of forgot, but it's it's based on Norse mythology. But I guess that's an episode for another day. But uh-huh. lake creatures. <laughs> yes. Tell me more about lake creatures. Okay, so there's one called the Ogopogo. And uh-huh. well, okay, so the name is from this like little folk song from Canada, which has probably nothing to do with the actual creature itself. But anyways, uh-huh. it's a lake monster native to Canada, and it's told in the legends of the First Nations. Mm-hmm. So um, there are these lake fjords in mm-hmm. Canada, and it's said that's where the the creature lives. In some sources, uh, the creature is called Naitaka, and it's a mm-hmm. water entity according to the Silks and the Sequimpec mm-hmm. and, and their lore. So Naitaka demands a live sacrifice to cross the lake safely. So the, so, so the indigenous people from there would sacrifice, you know, small animals, tobacco, along with the, the, the live animals. But so when a visiting chief rejected doing this um, and he tried to cross the lake, Naitaka just kind of whipped his canoe with its tail and drowned him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that just now, shocked me really quick. I was like, whoa. <laughs> now there are some speculations whether it's an actual beast or not. And it's most mm-hmm. likely that it is a water deity, a water spirit that is sacred to the silks. And I mean, I guess 19th century people that were exploring that region of Canada, they just thought, oh, hey, it's a bloodthirsty flesh-eating beast and you know when they saw um the first nations throwing chunks of meat into the water so that's sad unfortunately naitaka was demonized by european settlers but (sighs) really according to the first nation it 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 protects the lake it's 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 sacred it's like it's a sacred entity yeah and it makes me sad that that happened that that it was demonized and stuff like yeah you know it's just one of those things that's like oh sounds so fascinating and it really is like like a lot of especially in the americas a lot of these creatures tend to have a lot of demonization but really it's only until after european colonialism that that demonization comes into the story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So the next lake creature is the Loch Ness Monster. Ah! Oh my gosh. Nessie! Nessie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. I love Nessie so much. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Oh, you're good. You're good. So so, So this is a story that has this this creature this monster as its protagonist it was first recorded nearly 1500 years ago around the year 565 in our current era in the chronicles of saint columba and the chronicler yunan uh wrote that a a monster had leapt from the waters near uh inverness or Mm -hmm. some others say it's like it, it was like a local picked man that was attacked near the river ness because there's a river and then there's the lake. Mm-hmm. And 
<laughs> and it was, and this man was dragged to his death. Well, St. Columba was alerted by this and sent one of his followers to get in the water. <laughs> Not the same. This other guy. <laughs> was Yo, go draw the monster out. <laughs> Why me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> would have been like sir sir why <laughs> anyways so he took one of his followers <laughs> to get in the water to lure the monster in and when the monster did arrive it was ready to attack this 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 poor man <laughs> My goodness. and then the saint made the sign of the cross and it retreated and disappeared from the river into the lake Okay. (laughs) Well, many sightings have been reported since then. All the way down to the 20th century, people often mistake things in the water, like turn over boats, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. They see things out of the corner of their eyes. And Nessie has been the subject of many hoaxes throughout the years. Um, There's this famous picture of the supposed monster in the water. It's called the surgeon's photograph, and it was taken by Robert Kenneth Wilson, who was a gynecologist from London. But that was a hoax. (laughs) I guess his practice wasn't going well, and he took the picture to get some money. I don't know. Well, I mean, whatever (laughs) whatever there is in the loch, it's interesting enough to still have people look for it. Oh, yeah, and I'm... I mean, if I ever go to Scotland, I think I'll stop by and just look at the lake. I don't expect to see Nessie, but who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Not us. Not us. (laughs) Okay, so the next one is the Mugwump. I love that name. (laughs) Same. I I don't know why, but it's just so fun to say. Mugwump. Mugwump. (laughs) So it's an alleged lake monster in the lake uh, Timmy Scumming gaming i'm sorry well uh the more people see it or whatever sightings do occur it sounds like a giant sturgeon fish and i, I looked up uh. pictures of them and they're they're pretty huge mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean some of them are the size of a small human oh my goodness yeah so most cases of the mugwump it, i mean it's described as a whale a large eel with a dog or a horse head would it wouldn't make sense if it's a large eel or like mm-hmm. a small whale granted the sturgeon fish does look like a small whale yeah um sometimes it's between 45 to 98 feet long so it's big it's mm-hmm. huge it's, it's a bigger than fish. a small human that's for sure um yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, the history of this creature is actually, it it comes from like the 1800s where Chief Wabi, or a descendant of him, said that like their experience with the mugwump goes back way back when. Um, So this person recalls of how when crossing the Timiskaming Lake and the Ottawa River, the Anishabe, sorry, I'm so sorry, Anishinabe, Guides of Shakanash made offerings of tobacco to the rocks. I think it's called like Devil Devil's Rocks. I think like this 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 story kind of originated of like okay, why are these people making offerings to yeah. this? So and it's it's the same with with the Ogopogo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, like it, that's that's how I related. It's like okay, offerings to a water deity, and people create a monster. 
yeah and trying yeah. to explain things and really there is no monster there's just traditions yeah <laughs> yeah okay so i always thought the always thought is um it's it's a it's native to Mexico, mostly. Always thought is actually like a, a word in the Mexica language of Nahuatl. Uh-huh. Um, it's a water spirit in the shape of a small dog. It has a feet, like little monkey feet or like hand, raccoon hands uh-huh. and a hand at its tail. So like I'm imagining this like tiny little chihuahua looking creature with like spikes <laughs> on his body just just kind of lurking in the water oh my gosh <laughs> so well i mean yeah it lurks in the rivers and lakes attacking people and dragging them into the water if it's angered and it's a friend to the rain gods sent by uh, sent by the god Tlaloc to protect fishes in the lakes and to protect souls of the humans that the gods liked so it does mm-hmm. sound like this like really loyal little thing that is terrifying if it's anchored <laughs> yeah <laughs> although anyone that fell victim to the always salt is considered a sacrifice to talk i mean it's a win-win if if you get killed by this thing you become like a sacrifice <laughs> he got really I'm quiet just... <laughs> I'm, just... <laughs> I'm just like Yes, win-win, <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, for Tlaloc, it's a win-win. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think it's reported that, like, I think Cortez sent a letter to the king of Spain saying, so one of my men got killed by this thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I don't know if it's, so I, I don't know if it's real enough, but for some, and I mean, I don't trust Cortez at all. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> but... I'm just imagining the face of Charles V kind of reading this like, what? What do you mean? What is this? What do you mean? Okay, so the always thought eats the eyes, nails, and teeth of its victims and anyone that who is near water, the always thought kind of lures them in by crying like a baby, which is terrifying. I know you can't see my face right now, but I, I I've got this like, oh no face like like just like oh my no uh uh-uh no that is horrifying yeah oh no Uh -uh. Mm uh-uh nope do not like it that's terrifying no thank you yeah no thank you (laughs) ah so the next one is one of our favorites oh yes the kelpie the kelpie (laughs) okay So they are shape-shifting water creatures that reside in ponds or lakes. And in Celtic mythology, this creature often appears as a human or a horse. So in some tales, the Kelpie appears as a beautiful young woman, often leading lusty and disgusting men into their deaths by drowning, which, a mood. (laughs) And, And then sometimes it's a very handsome young man, and that mostly leads... Mostly women. I don't know. Anybody could be lured and drowned by a handsome young man. But, I mean, given the time and age that most of these stories are from, it's yeah. also a mood. <laughs> um, so other times it appears as a horse. 
anyone can fall for this form of the Kelpie because many people, young and old, men and women, have tried to like mount this mysterious and enchanting horse and ride it in order to tame it. But instead, the horse quickly turns evil, wild, it starts bucking, it rides headlong into water, and the rider often tries to escape, and it's unable to, and it gets dragged down into the water and drowned. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. And the creature from Scandinavian folklore called the Nokin, uh-huh. it, it also shares the attributes of a Kelpie, especially in its horse form. So there's a reason... So some sources say that there's a reason that, like, uh-huh. these stories came to be was because they found, like, horse skulls in ancient sacrifices. You know how, like, some people, some ancient people would, like, throw swords, spears. Yeah. Um, The bog bodies as sacrifices. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, in some cases they would throw horse heads into these waters as a sacrifice. You know, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, like... um. I don't know the name of them in but they're the um they're in Mexico that they're like the giant like sinkhole water things that have oh, like, yeah, the cenotes, in them. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me think of those, which is fascinating because you know, from different areas from like mm-hmm. that may not have had any well, probably not had any connection to each other, you know. Yeah. But they also like, do those you know the the water sacrifices. Yeah. That's just fascinating to me. It is. It really is. Ooh. Okay. So river creatures. I really? love this. I love this tale so much because you've got like you've got fairies, you've got Avalon, you've got the possible Ooh. origin of like a monarchy. So it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. G- give me the story, please, because I need to know now. <laughs> okay. So Melusine is a water spirit and. Uh, she's very like she she's very popular in the Middle Ages, and she's often depicted in wood. Not well, I mean sometimes wood, sometimes mostly stone carvings of a woman with two tails of a fish. Uh, like the Starbucks logo. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> or in manuscripts with a tail and wings, and the upper body, like the upper half, is that like a beautiful woman. And well, she's the daughter of other water spirits, and um, sometimes in in some legends, they live in the land of Avalon or uh-huh. in rivers that lead there. And I mean, it, it makes sense that Avalon is pulled into this because if it's in the Middle Ages, yeah, a lot of mostly Welsh, I mean, especially Welsh legends get taken mm-hmm. by the French during the time of the Norman Conquest, mm-hmm. and Writers like um, Crétine de Troyes, I mm-hmm. hope I said that name right, or Marie de France, they 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 take these these legends and Frenchify them. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my brain was like still thinking about. I think it was the word you just said, Frenchify them, and my brain <laughs> thought French fries, and <laughs> now I'm hungry. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, where was I? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Um, so in some legends, her mother, Pracine, falls in love with a human. I think it's the King of Albany, which is modern-day Scotland, mm-hmm. and takes her daughters to live in his castle. Well, Pracine makes 
her husband swears to never look at her while she's bathing, which I mean, it's a really reasonable requ- request, unless yeah, like unless you're okay with <laughs> with like just chilling, taking a bath, and talking to people. I I would understand why she's just, like, don't look at me while I'm showering or something like that, you know? Yeah, it's like give me some privacy, man. Yeah. Well, one day he breaks that promise, spying on her, and sees her tail. And when he tries to restrain her, because she's escaping for good reason, because he broke her, he broke his promise. Well, he's restraining her. Oh, well, he tries to, and she disappears with her daughters back to Avalon. Well, another tale, and this is the possible origin of a of a monarchy, of of a dynasty. Um, in other tales, it's Melusine who falls in love with a mortal man uh-huh. and goes to live with him. In France and England, for example, it's said that she fell in love with the Count of Anjou and legend says that the Count of Anjou married her without really bothering asking where <laughs> she's from. Like he's just like, okay, I like you. Let's get married. And <laughs> they had four sons and uh-huh. the Count then began to feel uneasy by his wife's behavior because um, she was not attending mass. She was already like always hanging around water with, especially with the kids. And I mean, the Count was getting worried for his people and for his sons. So one day, as his wife is leaving the church with um, their two younger children, uh-huh. the, the Count of Anjou orders his guards to restrain her. And it is said that she sprouted a tail and wings and screamed so loudly that the windows of the church broke and she flew out, taking the two younger sons with her. So the eldest of the four grew up to be the next Count of Anjou and later, and he was the ancestor of the Kings of England, forever known as the Devil's Brood and descendants of the water fairy Melusine. Wow. Wow. I guess it's a common theme for magical mothers to just take the two youngest. I guess. I mean, technically the one that, the Selkie one, doesn't specify whether or not they were the two youngest or anything like that. It just said that there were like five of them that got turned into rocks. <laughs> I'm still salty about that. I know. It's like you get turned into a rock and you're just like, just that's sad. <laughs> but okay. Okay. So now on to the next one, which is the, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing this right. The Guru Vilu. Yeah. Okay. A figure from the Ma, uh, the Mapuche. Yeah, the Mapuche folklore in Chile. So it looks like a fox with the ability to be very flexible, like a snake, and it can cause whirlpools and rivers that can kill people. It can also make the water seem shallow and be like, "Hey, human, it's safe to cross here," and when you try to cross, you die. <laughs> so the only way to cross a river with a Negruvili Vilu, sorry, is uh, is on a boat. To get rid of a Naguru Vili, you have to have a shaman and a good sorcerer to dive into the whirlpool. If the person comes back, that means that they have captured the, the magic, the, the, creature the creature with magic. Yeah, they capture the creature with magic. And the person then threatens to kill the creature with a long knife until they promise to leave. And when the Naguru Vilu agrees, it is let go and will cause no more harm. I mean... I guess getting threatened by a large knife would seem really effective to not do any any trouble. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's, it's like, like um, I don't want to die, so I guess I can say yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
that's oh my gosh it's just one of those things you're like what <laughs> i mean i do like the fact that it does look like a fox like i'm just imagining a fo- like a really a fox with a really long body and it's just kind of like yeah i'm kind of thinking of like a cat but also like a fox yes the, the way i'm the only way that i can visualize this is the unicorn from adventure time with the really long body that can like that or Falkor from the never ending story. <laughs> like I mean, I'm I'm envisioning just like you know how there's like those like older paintings of foxes and they're like very like twisty. Uh-huh. That's kind of what I'm imagining. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next, Janine? Ah, what's next? Let's see. The Kappa. We're going back to Japan for this one, and um the Kappa lurks in rivers and it's got scales and claw-like hands and a tortoise shell and it's it's a creature of odd taste because it can only be calmed down if you throw a cucumber in the water like it's its favorite food hey here have a cucumber yes don't (laughs) kill me (laughs) and if you get in a sumo wrestling or that or if you get into like a sumo wrestling match with it because it likes to sumo wrestle but um the cautionary tale of the kappa is that you don't get close to the water because yeah i mean the kappa it's said is the size of a 10 year old child so mothers or parents just in general tell their children they must never get near the water because if they do the kappa would take them away and trap their soul forever oh gosh and um I'm a really big River Monsters enthusiast fan. So um <laughs> so Jeremy Wade actually did an episode of, of the Kappa. And uh-huh. some say it's like the origin of this is like a giant water salamander. And when they eat their prey, you can uh-huh. actually see like the fish kind of moving around there. So I guess that that's where mothers got the idea that that's the soul of a child. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and those um, things are I mean, huge. I was going to say, like, um, that legend, like, if I got told, like, oh, it'll take your soul away forever, I would be terrified <laughs> as a child. I don't want to get near the river. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, never go by the river ever. <laughs> Not even when you're an adult. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed talking about it. And I hope y'all keep uh, visiting us on the Rio. Yes, please do. And see you next time. Oh, guys. Yes. Spooky season is upon us. Yes, spooky season is upon Finally, us. Finally. Um, we are going to try to make a special. Mm-hmm. So that's going to require a lot of planning and a lot of research. But we're going to try to include several things associated to halloween yeah i hope y'all enjoy it so stick around yeah stick around